Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Fiery chariots of welcome to you, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are, across this somewhat damaged planet that we can all get together and try and heal as much as possible. I hope you're doing your little bit, saving water, if you can, you know, spit your cherry seeds out into, you know, some kind of soil. Get some plants growing, I don't know, might be a good idea. Consult people who are much more knowledgeable than I am. But, uh, you know, whoever you are, wherever you are, I, I hope you are extremely well, uh, regardless of the circumstances, as well as can possibly be. Uh, I'm going to start this episode with a little bit of a poem called Stardust in honour of Darwin Starwin Nunes. Um and it's by someone who's called John Pigeon. And it goes like this. There was a time when time wasn't, nor space for that matter, or antimatter, when every manner of thing and not thing didn't, before the whole dime bag shebang blew up in its non-face, and suddenly there was place and separation of thing. A superheated flux cooling toward past, present and future, spilling its thinning soup du jour to an ever, ever land where deeper meant ever younger. And we'd look just as young to anything or anyone perceiving here from there. Quite an interesting poem that I, I chose that. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Alan and Abdul. Um, Alan, it did feel to me that the whole dime bag shebang of Darwin Nunes has absolutely blown up with his four goals in 45 minutes. Uh, and there's no better place to start than Darwin Starwin Nunes. Um, how are you feeling, Alan? How are you today? How's uh, how are you feeling about Darwin? Oh. Hi, Owen. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Darren. Uh, I was excited about him from the night I seen him in Anfield last year. Um, I was uh, hoping that he was going to score soon enough, which is all strikers need, especially coming into a coming into a new club, new country, new language, and trying to bed into a team that's so close. Um, in the first game, I thought I could sense maybe he was a bit anxious, a bit, you know, just unsure but the minute he came on the pitch to the night you could just see he'd settled already if you know what I mean it's you know it's something I like to observe as people's um body language and uh when when that penalty came I was saying to myself oh god wonder will Mo let him take it and I think it was the icing on the cake for the chap because we all remember like players coming to the club and struggling to get their first goal but the minute he hit that penalty the floodgates just opened you could see the relief on his face and what a performance after that. Like, all, all his goals were great. Okay, the keeper should have saved one of them. But the one that sticks out to my mind was the one that uh, we came, I forget if it was his third or fourth, where we came down the right-hand side of the pitch. I think um, that young young player we're going to talk about later on, Stefan, I won't even try and pronounce oh, his second name. No, yeah, I'm going to give you a pronunciation 
uh, lesson later for everybody. Absolutely. But yes, call him Stefan for now. Yes, sorry. I think he won the ball back, passed it across. Uh, I think it was Harvey that put yes. the ball across the box. Wonderful. And ball. yeah, but to me, it was going wide. And next thing, he was there and he put it in. Now, I'm not criticising Yota or Mane or anybody, but they were the type of balls that we'd always miss by a foot or two. You know, the, the striker would just nearly get them. But wow, he just put his foot out and got it. And I think that's down to his natural goal-scoring qualities. And that goal, for me, sealed the deal. That's the, that's the fellow we need in the box. That's that couple of inches ahead, thinking ahead. And as I said, that's not criticising Mane or anyone. But he is that natural goal scorer that was in that position, had the leg out. And as I said, I thought it was going wide and he just stuck it in. That to me was the start of a beautiful relationship. And I'm really, really excited about that chap. Really. Excellent. Excellent answer. Um, yeah, we'll get to Bajetic and I will uh, explain how to pronounce it, um, even though I've just done it um, a bit later, why it's pronounced that way. But who, who... Who is, you know, particularly worried about Serbian pronunciation when we've got Darwin to talk about? And um, Abdul, the, the other goal that I loved was the one where he just buried it low into the corner. That was absolutely lovely. Um, you know, you're 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 too much of a whippersnapper to remember Ian Rush, um, but you know, Robbie Fowler. Fernando Torres, Diogo Jota has the same thing. This, this killer instinct, this, this, this way that you know they're just assassins. These people in the box, and it looks easy because when the ball comes to attackers like that, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to either take it one, you know, one touch to shoot, or maybe control it and shoot. You know, you've got a maximum of two touches. And you're supposed to hit it in the corner. And he did that twice in, in, in one half of football and got another couple of goals as well. It's it's those things that are really exciting for me, is the fact that, you know, we look like we've got another, as as Alan was saying, a clinical kind of poacher, surgeon, you know, with his knife and a fresh corpse. Um uh, yeah, I don't know. What do, what do you think, uh, Abdul? What's exciting you most about Darwin? I think, yeah, uh, that goal that you pointed out was actually, like you said, uh, it's a much harder finish than most people would actually put credit to. Um, and I'm not talking as if I'm some footballer who knows how, is, how hard it is to bury it into that corner. But there's one particular fan on the internet who's like, a, I think he supports uh, Chelsea. But um I respect his opinions a lot. And uh, when he saw that finish, he was immediately talking about, wow, Darwin put that um, so calmly into that uh, far corner. Like it didn't even touch, it didn't get anywhere near the post, like straight into the side netting, like beyond the post. That's actually a really, really hard technique. Even though it was a really easy kind of goal, I would say, obviously Trent teed it up for him. And I think everybody in the team is trying to te was trying to team up uh, in that match. But uh, just, yeah, it's, it's very good to give credit where credit's due for that finish. And, um, yeah, it does really excite me going forward because, um, yeah, like I think one of the things about Darwin when he signed him was the fact that last season he scored a lot, but he also outperformed his XG massively. Um, that's what all the stats nerds are telling you and all the naysayers saying like, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to have to come back down to earth. XG always balances out at the end of the day. But... 
I think finishes like that make me realize why he possibly outperformed his XG so much because I think he is very clinical. But obviously, I think the last goal that he scored probably isn't uh, a good uh, evidence to back up what I just said. But in general, it's just very, very good for him to crack open his uh, nut. And um, I think Jürgen put it well. He said um, he opened Pandora's box. Uh, So, yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing how he builds on this. But yeah, those first four goals definitely, definitely um, give him a lot of confidence. I think the most impressive thing for me about Darwin is the way that he drifts off into the left left wing position. I think that is going to create a lot of goals for us next season. Um, he did it with the fourth goal when Carvalho went a bit central. He immediately, naturally just did the outside run and he got it back and he did a finish. And um, I think we're going to see a lot of that in the season coming forward. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, totally. And you know, having having a more advanced forward is is it's an interesting thing to have when we can compare him to to Bobby, of course, in in the nine clock called him a defensive number nine, and that's a very accurate description of Bobby. Um, but it's it's interesting, isn't it, that in that second half with with Carvalho and Elliot either side of of Darwin and Darwin moving around, his movement was fantastic, but just having that advanced forward gives defenders a different thing to think about and 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 you know it's like when when you look back at Ian Rush's career it, it, you know I, I heartily recommend you you seek out that you know 25 minute video on YouTube or however long it is of all of Ian Rush's goals because a lot of them are unspectacular and that's the that's the beauty of them because his movement makes everything in the end look easy because it is easy because he's found himself a position to knock it in with one one or two one or two touches Robbie Fowler was exactly the same um but yeah it's the movement and having that that advanced number nine compared to Bobby you know a retreated um number nine uh, allowed which would allow the wingers to to cut in and score so I think this this is a good weapon to have in our arsenal isn't it I mean what what do you think of of, of that kind of you know, option, Adam, where we've got this advanced forward now. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the it's the next evolution of Jorgen's team. You know, oh, good Jorgen. pun with Darwin evolution. Like, <laughs> good. <laughs> um, and like you said about Rush, like I was, I'm old enough to have seen Rush play, and I've and also a player that um, reminds me of him too. Except he was more scruffy. Was John Aldridge? Oh, good call. Cool. Yeah, John Aldridge doesn't get some of the credit he deserves either. Like, but he was, um, he was like that. He was always in the front, always ready for tapping goals, especially for Ireland. He went, he worked out in the wings a lot. Um, so I even heard Jason McAteer say the other day, and McAteer can say some great things and some odd things, but he said the other day that it was the first thing to come out of his head after Darwin had put in that performance. He said he reminds me of John Aldridge, just not as scruffy. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think it's uh, as I said, it's it's our next evolution, and um, to have that teams work you out. Like we've been the same for a few years with our with our front three, and doesn't matter what you are, whether it's in soccer, or rugby, teams work you out after a while. So this is a new dimension to us, a new worry for for them, and like for Bobby in particular. Um, Bobby can play in lots of positions. Bobby can play that kind of number ten role. He can play behind Darwin. Bobby can step into midfield when we need it. So it just gives us options everywhere. And also, which I see a lot of, we all seen how good Luis Diaz was last season. And with him on the left and Darwin on the right, they can interlink, switch positions and stuff. I don't know, I, 
I think we're going to have a fantastic season and lots of them games where we're, we're struggling to beat teams like you know I think we've better options now to get goals and a lot better threat also um, there's something I noticed the other day as well and um, I think the five subs rules is going to help us a lot too like Robbo's our best left back but Simicass is not far behind and when Simicass came on the other night he put three crosses into the box that I remember three great crosses Nunez nearly scored from one and got very close to another one. It was good defending, and uh, the third one was just just blocked out, just blocked out before Nunez got to it. So that was three world class crosses, and Nunez was there. So that's another new dimension we have because lots lots of our um, crosses from the left with Robbo are low crosses. So I think the five sub rule is going to help us too because you can afford to swap players or even fit. Um, Simicass into the squad, you know, in the last 10 minutes of the game, stick him in midfield or something and get them crosses into Nunez because it's a chap can score both feet, head. He's just fantastic. He's absolutely brilliant. He's he's, he's a clone in between Rush and, uh, dare I say it, Peter Crouch. He can score from the air or the ground. He's fast. He's he's probably the most complete foot, foot forward we've had in a long, long time. Big words. I like it. I love it, Alan. Yeah, an excellent comparison with... With John Aldridge there, although, yes, as you say, not as scruffy. He's a lot cleaner. Cleaner than a vegan's steak knife. Abdul, um, oh, Gary Richards in the chat, and Dave, a couple of legends. Hi, guys. Dave from Dave's LFC Chats. He says, hi, from Sunny Salou, uh, with S-A-L-O-U, which I've just Googled, is in the Costa Dorada in Spain. Hola, Dave. I hope you're having a great time. And uh, Gary Richards says the... The evolution of the 4-3-3 is Starwin Nunes, which is Gary's nickname, I think, is absolutely brilliant for Darwin. But uh, there you go. Um, yeah, OK. So otherwise, we're you know moving on in pre-season. Our next game is against Salzburg on Wednesday. Um, I'll get the kickoff time right this week, uh, it being uh, 7 p.m. UK time um, in three days, seven hours, 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, to be exact, uh, you know, um, from when we're recording this. So Salzburg against Liverpool in Austria. Um, what's been happening in training? Uh, I've got a couple of things in my notes here. Uh, basically, uh, Trent is back on the Neuro 11 machines. Do you know Neuro 11, Abdul, this this group that we've been working with? Have you heard of these guys? Yeah, they are. I can't get very specific, but basically they track the brain waves of players in certain situations to try and see if they can make a difference uh, exactly. in big, big moments. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's really interesting approach to try and make sure that our players stay in the zone where you're basically, you're not thinking about anything. There's nothing interrupting your, your flow state. Um, so that's quite, quite interesting, possibly. Uh, there's also Bobby, who is unfortunately missing in training yesterday. Apparently, Bobby Firmino missed training yesterday. Um, there's Alison, who's back in training after having had abdominal issues in Thailand. And Harvey's, Harvey Davis has signed a new deal. Um, so you can choose one of those to talk about, Abdul. You can talk about, you know, Trent and, and the Neuro 11 machines and, and the advantage that could give us Bobby missing in training and Bobby's potential role in, for next season uh, or Alisson being back or Harvey Davis signing a new deal. You can choose one of those and uh, give us your thoughts, Abdul. So um, I think first thing I want to pick up on is the schedule. 
the schedule is actually kind of weird. Like, obviously, we play the... I didn't even realise until I was watching Man City last night. And i uh, got to give a shout-out to uh, Erling Haaland. First goal within 12 minutes. Christ alive. What a season it's going to be for us, eh? Um, but um, I didn't realise until last night while I was watching the match that we're going to play City in the Community Cup in, like, six days. So then it's really weird that we're going to play a game against Salzburg, like, in another three days. Just feels like so tight and i think we've got a match right after the right after that like the day after and then i think it's about six days until our first premier league match after that so the games are really coming in yeah let right. just let me just um you know confirm those dates for the listeners just in case you're 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 absolutely right so so salzburg's on wednesday the 27th of july the community shield is very early it's it's next saturday the 30th of july god i didn't even realize that either mm. and then the day after we're playing strasbourg on the 31st of july in a friendly and then of course the week after that which so it's less than two weeks away is the big game against fulham but sorry yeah you're right so this does seem a bit bananas this schedule but there yeah. you go. It seems like uh, Klopp has prioritised this uh, trip to Austria. And, um, I mean, he loves this Austrian training camp. And fair enough, it looks beautiful every single time. Uh, but one thing that's interesting about this, um, on all the training picks, and that's what I'm looking at here on the side, uh, and also I think, I think it's some commentary that I've seen online. For some reason, this time when we've gone to Austria, we haven't specified exactly where we are. Like, usually it's it's one particular training ground and i think it is the same one but in all of the pictures on getty at the moment it all just says unspecified location and uh, i remember some journalists were saying like we don't actually know where they are in austria so a bit of mind games maybe possibly but i don't know it seems like klopp has built his entire because we had a very short asian tour i think man united is still out in asia that i think they're in australia right now um, doing their commercial stuff. We literally said, no, we're going to play two matches, one week. Then we're going back to Melwood, sorry, AXA for about five days. And then we're going to go to Austria and really put in some hard work for about 10 days. So everything seems to revolve around, I think, this Austrian training cramp, camp. Um, and I wonder what what dark arts of football Klopp has got them learning that he has to, you know, put them in a secret location and pretty much saying no games we just want to train so um yeah it, it, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall or a I don't know whatever kind of Austrian bird flies around in those mountains just watching what they're doing <laughs> so um yeah uh would be really interesting I don't think I can see Bobby in any of the training pits here and they did a running day today so um looks like Klopp has had them puking out their guts um but yeah no Bobby I can see which is you know a bit sad I really liked his performance in the last match. I, you know, I tweeted on watch. I said, Bobby is back. Um, I hope it's not an injury. I hope it's just like a little niggle thing. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I love seeing Bobby in the team. I think he plays so like, I think the thing with Bobby is when he, when he, and this is a thing that um, I think Pep Guardiola said it with Bernardo Silva a couple of seasons ago, he played, Bobby played so much football for us for so many seasons that I think there was an element of like mental fatigue in, in terms of like he wasn't really trying anything new and all of his ideas just kind of became the same. And it wasn't that they were bad, like it's obviously working for us. But when you introduce a player who hasn't been in the team for a long time, who sat down on the bench for quite a bit of the season 
and they've got that hunger again and they've been watching us on the TV and they can see like the patterns that they would do and things that they would want to try. I think when we've seen Bobby recently, it's been really refreshing. I think he does try new things and um, he adds to his game or he refined his game in certain ways. And I feel like it, 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 it's only benefited us when we've seen him. And I really, really want to see him back in the team regularly because I think he, he is a player who's going to bring out the best in pretty much everyone around him. And I think especially with Darwin here, I think he's going to bring out the best in Darwin. I'm really excited to see if we're going to try like a 4-2-3-1, play Bobby in the hole, um, or maybe even put Darwin at the left wing and play Bobby as the nine and then just let Darwin make runs in behind and Bobby will help him out um, with all the creative stuff. So, yeah, I really hope that whatever Bobby has is just a minor like niggle and I hope he's just injury free as much as possible this season coming forward. It's um, difficult though, isn't it? Because Bobby, um, you know, there were very, very strong rumours that he had he had gout. Um, and if you look at the definition of gout, which is what I've done, it's a disease in which defective metabolism of uric acid causes arthritis, especially in the smaller bones of the feet, deposition of chalk stones and episodes of acute pain. So it's not one, I, I'm trying to figure out if you can actually get better from gout. I'm not sure, because if your joints get damaged, then the damage cannot be reversed from gout. I know that. Um, and, you know, it, you can have these episodes of, of acute pain. So let's, let's hope it's not that. Alan, what do, you, what do you reckon about all this? Oh, yeah, just on, on the gouting, um, I, I don't know the... I'm not a medical person, but I uh, I suffer from chronic pain. I've a, I've a, I was in a car accident in 2005, and I've uh, nerve damage to my lower spine, um, which causes me grief, so pain and stuff. But oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. Oh, yeah. thank you, thank you. But um, because everybody has something wrong with them, it's, it's there's always somebody worse uh, on you out there. But just on gout, um, obviously I've been in pain groups and and stuff, and I've known younger people with gout and you're I think you're correct and said I'm not medically up in it but there's people that was in the group say for 15 years that had gout so I don't think it goes away too easy Um, I know it can be very sore hurtful and uh, I can vouch for that when you're in pain all the time it can affect you physically mentally and particularly tiredness and stuff so if that is true that Bobby has gout, hopefully he's uh, get, obviously he will be getting the right treatment and stuff, but it could affect him. I'm sorry to hear that if he has it. Yeah, I mean, great, great answers. Good to know. And I hope that everyone who is suffering out there is, uh, you know, finding as much relief as they possibly can. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the, the question came from, from Gary, who, who said, does anyone know, is Bobby still suffering from the dreaded gout? And it's it's a really good thing to remind to remind me of it because that, that's you know I don't know a quick googling says it's not very easy, unfortunately to get to get rid of it or uh, but there you go Gary saying he would have to change his diet yes of course he would have to change his diet, and and also that uh, you know to go back to pre season camp and you know it looks like Klopp wants everyone to be ready for a long season that's what Gary says and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be, um, you know, we're going to need everybody in the in the team. Uh, we, we, we've got, I mean, all manner of competitions. And then this huge break, um, the five subs you've already talked about. But, uh, yeah, the, the season being so close now, less than two weeks away or one week into the Community Shield. Um, 
let's have a look at our rivals. I thought we'd have a nice chat about what's what's been going on. So we may as well start with City. Um, so as it stands, they brought in um, Erling Haaland, of course. And Abdul, you said that Haaland, um, I mean, you watched the game. I, I read that he scored after 12 minutes and then he had another one wrongly ruled out for offside or something in the first half um how, how i mean how did city look uh lethal as as ever against bayern munich in their friendly city looked just unbelievable to be honest for the stage that they're at in pre-season i'm not even sure i think that might have been their very first game of pre-season uh let me just have a quick gander but they they came back to pre-season like a week after minimum a week after liverpool I think they've only wow. been in training for like seven days. Okay. Um, they went straight out to Houston. Haaland didn't even train until I think three days ago was his first training session. Um, so no, their first game of preseason was the 21st. So three days ago and then yesterday. And then they're going straight into the match against us uh, in the FA Community Shields on Saturday. So they've had a very condensed preseason. Haaland hasn't even trained much of it. And they just look so good against the top, top Bayern Munich team. They didn't play uh, Mane, unfortunately, but um, they had pretty much, it was both first, both teams' first 11s. Saying that, City, they do look a bit like, you're just wondering about some of these holes in their squad because um, they just sold Zinchenko. They started yesterday Wilson Ebrand um, at left back. They had Walker on the bench, but... They need to get. They basically need to get Cucurella signed, and if not Cucurella, then they need to get a left back uh, because it just feels like they're weak in that position. Um, also in midfield, if they sell Bernardo, which they possibly might not anymore, uh, Frankie Dion just doesn't want to leave Barcelona, and then they can't afford to really bring in a, another player. But yeah, you just do kind of feel like City are a bit weak. But Grealish looked good. Um, Haaland looked good. Uh, like, what more can you say? Like, they're they're pretty much ready to go into a long season and yeah they're just playing great football already and it's just really weird for me to see a team playing that good football already so yeah that's all I can say about City it looks like it's going to be another tough one yeah it's a bit depressing isn't it Alan I mean <laughs> they also signed Kelvin Phillips I said before I think that is a bit of a waste of money uh, but they're, they're starting the season um, against let me just bring their fixtures up so they, their August fixtures in the Premier League they're away to West Ham, the first one, and then they're at home to Bournemouth, away to Newcastle, at home to Palace, and at home to Nottingham Forest. Um, in at least three of those games, um, I reckon, you know, they're going to rack up at least three goals because um, they're, just, they're just brilliant. But, you know, having lost Sterling um, and having sold Zinchenko, um, it's... Uh, and uh, you know Bernardo for now is staying. Is Abdul saying? Let's let's assume Jesus that he well. stays. And yes, thank you, Gabriel Jesus. I knew there was some someone I was forgetting. Um, is that gonna weaken Man City, Alan, or is it just wishful thinking they'll be as awesome as ever? Well, I suppose um, on the wishful thinking part, um, Sterling left, and normally the rats are the first to leave a sinking ship. So I'll put my fingers crossed on that. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I, th I think they've lost a lot of experience there, and, and I agree, agree with you about Calvin Phillips. And I don't think he's a sensational player, and he's a bit injury-prone. But, um, you know, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Sterling, two of them players that have left have been, you know, good eight, ten, eight, nine out of ten players when they've come on and stuff. So 
Yeah, they're going to lose lose a bit of, bit of something there. Um, who, who did they beat? It was Bayern Munich, the bet, was it? Bayern Munich, yeah, yesterday oh, yeah. as we were recording this. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, well, I think I think if I look at things, I think the season is going to start off the way it ended last season where you just have to win every game. I think City, City are going to start strong and they know they have to and we're the same. And like, as, Ab- as uh, Abdul was saying there, I don't know, he's dead right. His training camp is what Klopp is really focused on. He's not focused on games. I don't think he's even that worried about the charity shield or community shield, whatever they call it now. But um, Maybe uh, it'll come back, though. Maybe it'll come back to bite them. The fact that they're not, you know, they're not really prepared, having played. I mean, the one pre-season yeah. friendly they had before yesterday was against Club America. On the 21st of, of July, three days ago, as Abdul said, uh, Kevin De Bruyne got two goals. But, I mean, were that, you know, later down the line, again, wishful thinking, that maybe they're going to be underprepared for the later parts of the season? Just, just a quick one. Apparently, they've Go got on. a game against Barcelona on the 24th of August. Definitely Today. not oh, so, oh, August, sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, like, wow. pretty much what? Uh, Community Shield, first, second, third... So after three games of the Premier League and the Community Shield fixtures, they've just got a random friendly against Barcelona. So oh yeah, midweek fixture. That's right. Oh, Maybe curious. they're just doing a weird, weird preseason fixtures lists. I don't know. I can't see any other games, but that was interesting. I was like, what? But yeah. Yes, it does say that. Yeah, club friendly on the August the twenty fourth between. Uh, two matches in, in, in the Premier League between um, Newcastle away and Palace at home. They decided to go to Barcelona away as well. Um, all right, maybe uh, Pep wants to, you know, Pep's, Pep's mates at the at the Camp Nou wanted some extra, you know, attendance money for people coming in, maybe. I mean, it could or, just be simple as that. Or Pep is overthinking again. Pep's overthinking again. That's very, very uh, possible, isn't it? But, uh, I've, just, I've actually just oh. seen Haaland's goal here on, on uh, Sky News. Uh, ah. A nice three-yard tap-in. So it's good. Good finish, yeah. but nothing spectacular. So. Nothing, well, I mean, that's what I was saying do. about... Yeah, well, that's the thing I was saying about number nine. So it's the unspectacular goals that are in many ways more impressive because that means they get their, their movement spot on. But... Uh, Anyway, okay, um, let's move on to, to, to happier things instead of just how depressingly good, you know, Man City are with their oil money, the cheats, and uh, their lawyers that can just make them get away with it. Um, anyway, uh, let's uh, move on to Everton, L-O-L, because I think you have to add these three letters after Everton now, Abdul. Uh, did you see the result against Minnesota? Did you see... Uh, what Frank Lampard had to say afterwards. Um, basically, what's making you laugh most about Everton now? I didn't. I saw the result. Didn't even bother to watch the performance. I saw Deli Ali miss like a an absolute sitter. <laughs> it was crazy. Goal. He missed from one yard. It was an open <laughs> goal from one yard. He was in the middle of the goal and he put it wide or over. I can't remember his face afterwards. He like spat on the floor. It was hilarious. But yeah, no idea. Sorry, carry on. No, no, it's just yeah. I mean, we'll see what what actually happens in the heat of the season. To be fair, I can't even lie. I I'm actually a bit of a Lampard fan. I thought he did a decent job at Derby. Missed out on promotion. Mm-hmm. I thought he brought through a lot of youngsters with him at Derby. So Mason Mount, Tomori, um, and then he went to Chelsea in his first season. I think he did a decent job. Transfer ban, got them into top four. 
I th the whole thing about you know how he starts uh, answering questions like starts with something a bit funny and then goes serious. I, I liked the I liked the reputation he's building for himself, and I thought he was unlucky to get sacked at Chelsea. To be fair, um, but that is what happens at that club. H huge standards. So I um, could disagree more, Abdul. I could not disagree more. I think he's the most uninspiring, um, like flat numbskull that I've seen manage in a while. I think Everton are guaranteed to start the season extremely badly uh, <laughs> because he doesn't he doesn't inspire anything. The way that he talks, I mean, do you remember David Beckham in interviews? He's like yeah, well, I kind of hit the free kick and it went in the goal. And I'm yeah. quite happy about that. Do you remember that? That's how David Beckham used to answer any kind of question. That's Frank Lampard after the, after the Minnesota game. He's like, yeah, well, obviously I wasn't very happy with the game. And uh, I think it told us a lot about our players. And, uh, you know, like he just, he just, you know, when you see a five-year-old, like, <laughs> put an ice cream in their eye because they miss their because their neurons haven't developed enough or maybe a three-year-old and they miss their mouth because they then you know it's not their fault it's just they, their neurons haven't quite made the connections frank lampard's missing a lot of connections there's something missing in his brain <laughs> <laughs> now fair enough possibly yeah uh who knows who knows well yeah i can't i can't disagree with your analysis i don't really pay too much attention to him but I do want to see him do well. Okay, that's that's what I can say. I don't know why. Why? I, why? I just think... He told one of our staff members to piss off. Yeah, yeah, he got that fire in him. But I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I just uh, I I like okay. both him and Gerard. I think uh, I think it's good for English managers that we have you know a strong cohort of managers coming through. And um, I just hope I I know that Everton we should laugh at them and we should want the worst of them, but. I really don't want them to be that bad. I don't want them to be stuck in a relegation battle again. I do think they've got some good young players. I like Anthony Gordon, for example. Um, I like the... They've got somebody with the Ben in his name. Godfrey. Ben Godfrey. I think he's a half-decent player. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope we see something interesting. On a just interesting side note, uh, Deli Ali, uh, obviously, he's just had his huge peak when he was young come down to earth now and he's possibly even below earth by six six feet how bad he is at the moment but his personal life he started dating possibly uh what one could term as like possibly the hottest girl in the world at the moment um and she's gonna be watching everton games so i don't know how long that relationship's gonna last but <laughs> it was pretty serious so i don't know what's going on the guy just always seems to get lucky well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but uh, I knew that there was some kind of gag in Britain, but I'm in France, so I can talk about it. Um, some kind of press gag involving involving a, a sex tape of Deli Ali uh, involving a dog. And um, I've, I found this out when I was working at, uh, you know, what's now RMC Sport in France, that there was some kind of, you know, pretty like disgusting video involving some kind of sex act with Deli Ali and a dog and I was like no that can't be true uh, but my colleague insisted because he had seen it and and I could see in his eyes that by talking about it it brought the image back to the forefront of his mind and I could see how disturbed he was so whenever i see delhi ali now i just think i like i haven't sought out the video myself to watch it but i just think you know dogs really 
you know, I don't know. But anyway, um, Everton, LOL, um, they're pretty funny, Alan. I mean, you know, Abdul is such a magnanimous guy. He's a really generous-hearted spirit. He says he doesn't hope uh, Everton get in a relegation scrap. Um, but for me, it's going to be one of the highlights of the season. I'm not, I'm much, I'm not at night as nice as Abdul at all. Um, you know, I'm, I can't wait for their relegation scrap. Um, what, do, what do you reckon, Alan? First of all, Abdul, uh, I'm a huge fan of yours. I can't believe you like Frank Lampard. Sorry. <laughs> he, he is just the most drool, uninspiring person. And I have nothing personal against him, but <laughs> you compared him to Stevie G. I'm sorry, you're off my Christmas list. <laughs> wow. Fair enough. I can take that. <laughs> uh, I, I think he's, like Owen said, he's, he's, he's no... How you know what I think he's fake when he's talking? I think his brain is not connecting because he's trying to talk in a way he's not used to talking. He's not talking as a was he a Londoner? He's he's trying to sound politically correct. He's he's just so uninspired and it just bores me to death. But um, we're all entitled to our opinion. <laughs> we are, um, we are, and yeah, Abdul absolutely. has has come up with some wonderful opinions. Shared his, it's, it's all it's oh, a different absolutely. world. I'm so it's Abdul's, okay. We're different. I'm Abdul's biggest fan, doing? but just that shocked me. <laughs> anyway, for everybody, um, yeah, everything. I don't. Know, you have to just. You know, I'm not. I'm not totally against everything. I don't want not like I would agree. It doesn't bother me to go up or down, but it's it's fun to watch them. I think their season is going to fall apart fairly quick, and I have a funny feeling Lampard will be the first manager sacked. Well, can I just uh, give you their fixtures to start the season? They've got Chelsea uh, at Goodison and Chelsea at home, then Villa away, Forest at home, Brentford away, and Leeds away. Um, and I think all of those for Everton will be difficult in, in different ways. But uh, yeah, they've only signed, they've only brought in Tarkovsky. But I mean, how quickly is it going to fall apart? For me, it's going to fall apart in the first five games. Yeah, and I, and I think I seen something yesterday on social media that the fans are marching out, um, um, trying to get the owner out, protesting against the owner. Um, so they've got to blame someone. Yeah, so they're starting before the season starts, so it doesn't look good for them. But you know, Lampard doesn't inspire me. I don't think buying Deli Ali first of all was like, you know, what did they pay for Deli Ali? Forty million or something like. It's, Crazy, God. crazy. Now, I did. A friend of mine did send me something this morning, but because of um, I read it uh, saying that Everton are supposedly considering letting Dan Ali go already. But uh, when I seen the paper it came from, I just discounted it straight away. It's a paper we won't talk about. Um, oh, that disgusting rag! Yeah, yeah we went to rag. Yeah. Then. Um, um, but but mm -hmm. there's no inspiring signings. You know, the Flossed, the Cock, the Rooster. Uh, they haven't brought anyone in, and I don't think anybody wants to go there. So, I think the two, the three teams that come up from the championship are only have to worry about being in the bottom two because I think Everton will be in the bottom straight away and they'll stay there unless uh, sack uh, Frank and Brennan and Harry. It's, I, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, Gary Richards is saying that uh, Lampard will take Everton down. Great to have Mr. Yep. Nice HK. That's Brian in Hong Kong. He's in the chat. Yep. He's just laughing. He's just put an LOL for Everton <laughs> because it's it's that kind of thing. Um, let's move on away from from Everton into another one of our 
of our rivals, Manchester United, a genuine rival, not a fake rival like Chelsea or Man City, who, let's face it, if they're playing against Man United, you're always going to support City, aren't you? But uh, we don't really care about City. And Chelsea, Man United, I mean, you're going to support Chelsea as well because it's fun to watch United lose. Um, they haven't been doing all that much losing, but I saw that they drew 2-2, having been 2-0 up against Aston Villa, Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa. But Manchester United, they, they, they start the season, they've got four fixtures in August um, against Brighton at home at Old Trafford, and then they're away to Brentford. Then they're at home to Liverpool, and then they're away to Southampton. Um, Abdul, what have you made of Man United and their resurgence? I think Jadon Sancho, apparently he scored one and set one up. He might be a good bet for your fantasy Premier League team at 7.5 million if you can accept having Manchester United players because, you know, you might feel like, you know, it's like, you know, the dirtiest underwear in the fantasy Premier League game, isn't it? And, you know, it's like some people, they take a sniff, but I don't. He's not in my team. But it might be a bargain if you want to have a sniff at that. But in the real world, Abdul, in the real world, um Manchester United they're they're on some kind of resurgence I mean you know I, I'm looking forward to them thinking there's a resurgence and then scraping perhaps fourth but probably fifth or sixth that's still my prediction for them um can you can you see things going going well at Old Trafford I think they're going to go better I mean you can't really get much worse than they did last year I think last year was literally their worst finish in a league in like decades or something like that something stupid so it's got to get better um i think they have shown signs of improvement in their preseason games obviously they smashed us in the very first one gave them a lot of confidence but um i think yeah performance wise as well we have seen little things like for example um like you're saying sancho i think i think it was such a missed opportunity last season they just didn't know where to play him. They were like, oh, they started him off on the right wing and something wasn't happening in the season. So they put him up to the left wing. It wasn't really happening there. Put him back to the right wing, put him back to the left wing, just dropped him entirely for like the last three months of the season. But yeah, it's clear that, you know, he was pretty much their best right winger. And that's what Ten Hag has done. He's just come in and he said, well, we don't really have any other right wingers. You're pretty much the best option there. That's where we're going to play you. And he's been playing pretty well for them in preseason so far. I think all this faffing about that they're doing out in Asia, in Australia. I think Liverpool, Liverpool got the right idea. Just get in, get out, get back to the somewhere where you can do some proper training. The pitch that they played on last night or whenever they played a couple of days ago against Aston Villa, horrible pitch, horrible pitch. I've never seen a more horrible pitch in pre uh, professional football. Literally just coming up everywhere. They couldn't even pass the ball. So I'm just thinking, like, what was even the point of that match, really? They drew it 2-2 in the very last minute. Um, so Gerard got the last minute equaliser he wanted. Um, but yeah, like, I'm not sure Ten Hag will appreciate the preseason preparations, but that will have all been decided before he even came in. So I think next season, I think he will definitely take a different approach. But United in general, um, I think it all depends on two things, whether they can keep the player that they want to keep in Ronaldo, uh, because clearly he just doesn't want to be there flogging himself out to every team he can possibly. And then also whether they can bring in the player that they do want in Frankie de Jong, who, again, just doesn't want to be there. who's literally kicking and screaming like a toddler to not 
not go to Manchester United. So, yeah, that's the, the transfer market, I think, is huge for them, mainly because Ten Hag doesn't have that much time to produce results. He doesn't have the training time that he will need to really change them overnight because he's going to go straight into a European competition as well. So he's not going to have the seven days of training in between matches that will definitely have helped him. So they need, and that's that's what his, tra- uh, his transfer strategy has been this summer. It hasn't been, oh, let's set up a scouting system and find these rare talents and from the metrics like Liverpool do. It's literally just been like, lads, I need to produce results. I know these players can produce results for me. Let me bring them in. So yeah, it literally depends on transfers for United. And um, yeah, we'll see. I think Ten Hag is a good good addition for them. And I think they will do a lot better than they did last season. But yeah, it's it's still all up in the air, really. It is it is all up in the air. And we we, we don't know where, where it's where it's all gonna land. I mean They've brought in Christian Eriksen since we last spoke, Alan, uh, on a free. That was confirmed. It was rumoured before. And other, apart from that, they have Tyrell Malassia. Um, there is a lot of uncertainty about Ronaldo, but it looks like he's he wants to go and they don't particularly want to keep him. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you make of what's going on there? Just to recap their, their pre-season fixtures as well. Obviously, they beat us 4-0. And then um, Melbourne victory. They beat Melbourne victory, apparently, 4-1. Then they beat Crystal Palace 3-1. And they drew yesterday, as we're recording this, with with, with Aston Villa. Um, they're doing the same thing as us, having two friendlies in two days. Uh, our first friendly is against City in the Community Shield. And then we've got um, a game the day after against Strasbourg, as we mentioned. United that same weekend, uh, next weekend, they've got Atletico Madrid and then Rio Vallecano the day after. Um, but yeah, this trip out, I mean, Abdul was mentioning the pitch. It was in Australia, the Optus Stadium in Australia where they went. So, I mean, I don't know. How do you see it going for them, Alan? Yeah, well, pretty, pretty much like Abdul said there, it's uh, it's not something Ten Hag would have wanted, this, this travelling around Asia and Australia. Um, I, I also agree with Abdul that he's a great manager. I think he will be a good manager. But, you know, I, I think he's got a shock. I think he came in to United thinking he was going to go for the young and players like this and they're all going to come running to him. You know, I think he I think he might have come in and after a month realised, crap, nobody wants to come here. This is going to be a long-term project rather than uh, one or two-year fix. So I see, like, they were winning over us, like... If I'm old enough to remember 10 years ago, if we got a win over them in pre-season, we celebrated like brilliantly, but it meant nothing to us that win. Or to them, it was a boost. It was his first kind of big game and stuff. I could see an improvement in players. Um, you know, you're right, they are using Sancho better. And I could see him making an improvement in players the way Klopp does. But he hasn't got players with there to have big improvements in them. I think this is a problem. Joe, and I'm Irish, I'm not English, so I can say it. Harry Maguire is crap. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have him in the local team here. He is just crap. Um, I think uh, that's the first thing. He needs to sort out the back four. That's, he needs to sort out a good back four first, uh, a good midfielder, and then work from there. But it's not going to happen quickly. You know, I can see them finishing uh, sixth this year, fifth, sixth, maybe fifth had a push. But that could be a false dawn for them as well, you know. Um, teams around them this year, like Spurs, even Villa, are going to get better and stuff. I don't know, I'm waffling on here a bit. But, yeah, basically, 
I think he's a great manager, but I think he's bit enough, bit more than he can chew. Uh, also, the, uh, are United making the same mistakes? You know, De Jong doesn't want to go there, and they're still after. He's publicly come out and said he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay in Barcelona, and they're still after. Like Liverpool, don't do that. If a player doesn't want to come to us, good luck. So even if they do get him in now for big money, is his heart going to be there? So that's what, if you're a United fan, should be worrying you. you know, they're going to go down the old route of buying players for big money that don't want to be there. Like Pogba. Pogba didn't want to be there. He was just getting his money. He was world class for France and crap for United. Like, Well, the, yeah, the interesting thing about Pogba, I think he wanted to be there at the start because, you know, much like Ronaldo, I mean, he wanted to be there at the start because he had dreams of, you know, bringing United back to the top. But... You know, he give up his dreams very quick, though. (laughs) And I think that's part of, yeah. I mean, it's part of the fact that their their team's not very good. But it's there's they're in this vicious cycle where the fans. It's a bit like Everton, where the fans get on their back because they're not as good as they the fans think they should be. Um, and that's that's just like um, a toxic atmosphere. You wanted to come in, Abdul. You wanted to say something. No, I mean, I was just uh, scratching my armpit. But no, I think oh, uh, <laughs> one thing that is, is uh, yeah, you're talking about this like negative kind of sp- spiral that the teams have caught themselves in. It's it's amazing, like uh, Liverpool, it feels like every step that we take is just always the right step in the next, in the right direction. But then, yeah, for some teams like United, it's like no matter what you do, it just seems like the wrong decision. Um, and yeah, it's it's very hard to break that. You do kind of need like a complete reset moment and you need the fans to just get off your back and you need your, the fans to accept that, you know, the club isn't what you think it is. And I think it's hard with United because they are actually stocked full of top talented players. I think Sancho is an incredible player. Um, I think, you know, Luke Shaw's a great player. And I know, I know you're going to give me some flack again. But, oh, I'm definitely giving you flack already about Luke Shaw, but carry yeah. on. I think I think Harry Maguire is a good player. I just think the situation Adel, Adel, that they found Adel. themselves. <laughs> the I, I can't just let you carry on there. But hang on, <laughs> just wait, before you carry on. No way. Which international team do you support? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I like England. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I, like I rest England. my case. It's quite obvious. Yeah, it's quite. It's quite. I think. I think obvious. you know. You look at it, you just look at it, uh, it completely objectively. I think he's a good player. He's got, he can pass the ball. He's strong. He's just obviously more than what you guys said about Frank Lampard. He's just missing a few neurons in his brain. And I I've think, seen uh, seasons turn quicker than than <laughs> Harry Maguire. <laughs> um, it's. It, it, I told... can't go on, Alan. You just said it there, actually, in all your praise for him. You said he's a good player. He's not a great yeah. player. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's an average player that if he was playing for uh, Villa or someone, you'd say, uh, he's not going to United or he's not going anywhere. Or uh, if he was Scottish. I would think. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, but, it's, you know, it's, we can't get they blew their load on him for sure. They, they, yeah. saw, they saw Liverpool sign Van Dyke. They saw. City signed Ruben Diaz, and they were like, "We need a big statement signing centre back." And, and they got it wrong. Yeah. yeah, they got it wrong, very, very wrong. But yeah. he is. I think there is a good player there, and his performances for England. I think you have got the raw attributes to build a good defence. But he suffers from Joe Hart syndrome. Basically, he just shows too much outward passion and too just United as a club. They just suffer from too much talk. 
Too much talk from the fans. Too much talk from Oli when he was there. Too much talk from certain players. Rashford, you know, you're doing great things for, you know, society, but just too much talk from him. Too many apology notes, apps, freaking apologies. Just everybody talks too much of that club and they just need to calm down, focus on the football. And I think things can turn around, but they just need that reset period really, really badly. Um, and I think the club that they possibly, I think the club that a lot of teams in the Premier League need to emulate at the moment is probably Arsenal because we haven't got onto them yet. But Arsenal are a very, very good team, I think. And I think Arsenal are going to make a lot of heads drop, or jaws drop this season. I think I think Arteta's done an incredible job and... Um, they, they had to go through a lot of pain to get to this point. And that's what United need. They need some bloodletting. They need some leeches on their skin. They need that pain. They need to go through the pain and stop putting it off. I mean, it's great. It's great. It's a great link into the next section. I mean, I, I can talk about United for ages and I can talk about just how good their players are or not uh, for ages because we can debate this. I mean, it is open to opinion, but, uh, you know, Arsenal, you mentioned. This is the last one of our rivals we're going to look at. Um, although uh, Jamie's made a good point uh, via the WhatsApp group. He says Chelsea and Spurs should benefit from being relatively settled and with good managers doing a full pre-season. Um, I think that's absolutely a great point from Jamie. But we won't talk about Chelsea and Spurs. We'll, uh, the last rival we'll talk about. And then we'll get on to the pronunciation of Baichetich. And it's very difficult for me to pronounce the, the last C. But I'll talk about the pronunciation at the end of this show. Um, Arsenal, yeah. Um, Abdul, they are they they feel to me though, I agree with what you're saying. I think they've made some excellent signings. Fabio Vieira, they've got options. Martinelli's a year older, Saka, the brilliant Saka's a year older. Now there's an English player that I really like as super talented smith rowe as well i mean he's a a wonderful talent um so yeah they've got all these talented players thomas Partey made a big difference when he was uh injury free so they could be you know maybe a surprise for some but they're you know they remind me of the dark horses you know before every international competition you know with belgium the the golden generation of Belgium, England back in 1996. And the thing with all of these dark horse teams is that they never quite get there, Abdul. So how high do you think Arsenal will actually finish? Third, fourth? Because they're not going to break the Liverpool City um, hold, noose grip, are they? So I think, um, I really hope they don't do well enough to get into the Champions League. Because Bukayo Saka's contract situation is very much predicated on whether Arsenal get into the Champions League. Oh, he, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's been holding out on signing a new deal with them for a bit now. Um, and he's been talking about he wants a release clause in there, being insistent. Mainly, he, he just wants to play Champions League football. And if Arsenal go another season without getting that, then he is very, very seriously going to consider his options. And I hope that happens because, wow. like you said, I would love to see him in a Liverpool shirt um what a dream literally so um i very much hope that they're not not there yet but one thing about arsenal i will say is last season there was a point in the season when they were clearly playing the second best football in the league i would say possibly on par with man city they were they were playing really really good football but the problem with them last season was just the consistency they won i think possibly more matches than chelsea but then they had something ridiculous like 13 maybe 15 losses all season long 
not even draws, just straight losses. If everyone remembers when Cop came into Liverpool, I think the very first, one of the first things he said is, we are a good team, we can play good football, but we don't have any consistency. And that is not, that is just not acceptable if you want to be a winning team. You need to be consistent and you can't just play like helter-skelter football, score loads of goals and then concede loads as well. And that is Arteta's main uh, focus point this season. He has to, he has to figure out how to get them to consistently get results. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be harder than last season because they're now playing European football. They're going to have that third game in the midweek. Um, But saying that, the thing that if I was an Arsenal fan that would give me a lot of heart is this team has a lot of heart. They beat Chelsea last night 4-0. And Thomas Tuchel said after the match, the reason why the Arsenal team just looks so far ahead of Chelsea at the moment is because the Arsenal players look very, very willing to be mentally exhausted for the team like they're pretty much willing to die for the team at the moment so Arteta's got them in that kind of mentality that siege mentality that has done Liverpool a lot of favours over the last few years they they see themselves as the underdogs they have a target that they're working towards and they've got a lot of young players who want to prove something to the world and especially now they signed Gabriel Jesus they signed Zinchenko two players who are on the fringes at Man City who want to prove a point now to the Premier League that you know we're not just City's leftovers we are actually top quality players so I think they've got all the pieces in place. I think they need one centre mid. If they sign Artur from Juventus, that completes them. I don't know who else, maybe a Ruben Neves, but just that deep line midfielder who can possibly replace Shaka. And I think that's it. They've got good quality at centre-back now. They, they've got Saliba back. He's, he's apparently going to get a new deal. I think that they're, they're pretty much there. I don't know if they can use up City and Liverpool. I think that's a big task for them. But I definitely think they could be top three. I think they could have a better season than Chelsea. I think they possibly will get top four. I hope they don't, but I think they, they will be top four by the end of the season. I hope they do get top four because I prefer, like, I, my ideal top four, well, Manchester City are obviously going to be in it. Liverpool uh going to be champions, obviously. Um, and then Spurs and Arsenal, because I just prefer them by far to Chelsea and, and, and United and any other. Um, contender there might be unless there's a big surprise and Nottingham Forest get up there or some other team and that'll be that'll be fun as well no Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa of course that'd be that'd be ideal but that's 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 guilty talk um yes Alan the uh Arsenal just to remind you then uh, but we'll go we'll go on to bite it uh, just to finish off just after I ask you about Arsenal because it's just to remind you that Gabriel Jesus um Marquinhos not the Paris Marquinhos but Marquinhos from Sao Paulo. They've signed him. Um, they've signed Matt Turner from New England Revolution. No idea who he is. They signed Fabio Vieira, great talent from Porto, 34 million. And of course, Zinchenko, as Abdul mentioned. Um, have they done everything to finish third? Or will they, as Gary says in the chat, will they be undone? Will they get exposed? by uh, Newcastle or Nottingham Forest? Yeah, fair play to Gary in the chat. He's put in some great questions there. It's, it's, it's very good. Um, yeah. So, kind, I mean, of what, kind of what, like, like um, Abdul said, they've bought a few good players. I, I really I really like that three-era chap they bought. Um, I like him. My doubt about Arsenal is the manager. Like, my sister, Olive, is an Arsenal fan, and my best friend, Paul, two Arsenal fans, have good chats but even you know I think Arteta is a good manager 
he's done a good job there. He had a hard job when he came into it. But you know, sometimes as a manager in all sports, that reaches a level and you just need someone else to push that next step. You know, at the end of last season, Arsenal were looking like they were going to finish top four. They had a few games to go and only had to win one of them, I think, if I'm correct. And then the last two games in a row. I just feel that, that Arteta or the team or something, they're just lacking that kind of, what would you say, mentality to push on and win. I, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them this year again. But it's like it's like he's a great manager. They believe in him. They play good football. But they just don't believe in going. They haven't got the, they haven't got the mental strength to go that last step. It's just what I have a feeling about him. And I hope I'm wrong because... Uh, I love them as a player. Obviously, my sister being an Arsenal fan, I watched all their games and stuff. Uh, and you're right, I have a soft spot for Arsenal. I'd rather see them fourth than Chelsea or even the Spurs. But I just don't. I don't feel he has that extra step in him just to, to push the team forward. Uh, do you know the way Klopp makes you believe and makes you know even you know Ferguson made players believe they were the best. Arsenal just seem to be stuck at a level and. Hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully they do push on, but I, I just can't see it. Well, it's a very interesting answer. Um, absolutely. Okay, well, I mean, you know, and I, I, I agree. I agree with lo- with lots of it, you know, about their mentality. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens this season. But, uh, yeah, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll come good. Maybe they'll learn the lessons from last year. Um, okay, Bajetic is the last uh, thing to talk about then. So, I mean, I'm actually not pronouncing it correctly, but let me just say that Bajetic... It's um, it's quite a, co- a complicated one, uh, but it's Slavic, right? So Slavic, according to Wikipedia, Slavic languages, including Ukrainian, Russian, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, are thought to descend from a proto-language spoken in the early Middle Ages called Proto-Slavic, and it's an Indo-European language. And basically, when you have Slavic languages that don't have the Cyrillic alphabet like Serbian or or Czech or Slovak then you can read them like like the Roman alphabet okay so and they're they're phonetic it's not like English um, where for example in Irish you know where you have the for example the first name Siobhan spelled S-I-O-B-H-A-N our very own Cueve Kelleher C-A-O-I-M-H-A-N that's definitely someone after a couple of jars of Irish whiskey uh, invented the spelling of that. Whereas Slavic languages, you can just read them from left to right. So by Chetic, so ba, b, 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 a, a, okay. The J is a Y. Now, lots of people who don't speak other languages other than English, they put, for example, they say Jota for Diogo Jota. No, this isn't Portuguese. Portuguese is a Latin language. Remember, this is a Slavic language from Proto-Slavic in the Middle Ages. So Slavic languages, every time you have a J, like Jovanovic, for example, then it's a Y, as in yellow. It's like a Y. So by, and then Ah, the C is the thing that's hard. You've got a C with a little V on top, which I can't do on my keyboard. The first C in Bajetic has a little V on top, which is like Czech, where you pronounce it as a ch, like church. So it's by ch, and then e is e, like e, by che, t, t, i, by and I can't do the last one. Now, according to the website Serbonica, the last C 
has a sort of um, acute accent on the top of it, right? And how you pronounce this, the closest we have in, in English language is ch again. So by chetich, if you want to just pronounce it the English way, but the actual pronunciation, you have to put your, to produce the C with the acute accent on top. Um, the tip of your tongue is behind your lower front teeth and the middle part of your tongue is up and almost stuck to your palate. Like when you make an L. If you make an L, then your tongue, you see, it goes to the top of your mouth automatically, L. So that you make the same L, but you're actually saying a CH at the same time. So it's CH, I think. So by CH, Oh, it's a hard one to pronounce. So forgive me if you're Serbian and I've just butchered it. Please let us know, coponpodcast at gmail.com. But anyway, he looks like he's quite good at football, Abdul. Bajetic, the question is, and I'm sticking with Bajetic because of the, the last C with the, it's hard. Um, the question is, Fabinho is our only number six. Hendo can play there, but Hendo in the Champions League, you know, later stages, is not he might get found out as a number six. Um, are you all right now? You've seen the excellent quality that he's he's got. Apparently, his his he's got Spanish nationality, and his one of his parents played. I think his dad played for the Serbian national team, so he comes from good stock. Um, are you happy enough, Abdul, with our number six options? given the very promising signs from Stefan Bajetic. Interesting fact about uh, Stefan Bajetic. Hope I didn't put to that either. Um, his dad uh, used to play not only for the Serbian national team, he played for Celta Vigo in Spain, oh. which is, I guess, where he probably met Bajetic's mother. And uh, his dad used to play for Celta Vigo at the same time that Thiago's father, Mazzini, oh, played wow. for Celta Vigo. Oh, great. So, Love it. Yeah, little, yeah, ex-teammates and our teammates again <laughs> in the next generation. Yeah, nice little fact. But, um, yeah, great player. I, I remember Pep Linders talking like a couple months ago saying, oh, this next preseason, I want to see Luke Chambers. I want to see Bobby Clark. I want to see Bajetic. So he already name dropped him from a long time ago saying, I want to see these players in our preseason training um, just to get a good look at them. And um, I'm pretty sure Bajetic, he's played centre-back a lot at youth levels. And he hasn't even been at Liverpool for that long, apparently. There's an interview he did a, like a day ago for LSC TV. And he's like, yeah, you haven't actually been at Liverpool for that long. Maybe like a season, maybe two at max. But um, yeah, he's, he's clearly impressed a lot of people. He's here on preseason. He looks... The player that I would kind of compare him to is a, a type of Busquets, but a lot more physical. I think he gets, like the goal for Nunez, he was pressing all the way up the field. I don't think you'll ever see Busquets really doing that. But the Busquets comparison is really when centre-backs pass into him, I think he's got a much bigger radius as a six for like passing the ball forward than even Fabinho, I think. like. He'll receive the ball and I feel a lot more confident that he'll be able to turn his body under pressure and play a ball into Carvalho's feet or maybe into uh, Elliot's feet. Maybe like a 180 degree angle, really. I feel like he can really operate like that. That's a really kind of Busquets kind of trait, the coolness and the sharpness of mind to be able to do that under pressure. It's possibly the hardest position on the pitch as a footballer. And I think he's got that naturally. 
I think his next step is obviously he's only 17 years old, very slender frame. Uh, everybody always says it is a cliche, but yeah, I think he has to put on a bit of weight, um, some muscle, gains of physicality, but very promising signs already. And um, in terms of our sixes, I'm not sure if we'll use him that much, but with Tyler Morton going out on loan, and we we did use Tyler Morton last season, uh, yeah, maybe he does come into the equation. Um, but I can see him playing a lot of under-23 football and maybe some League Cup and FA Cup performances. But yeah, that's great talent. Another another one off the conveyor belt. Love it. Wonderful answer. Absolutely wonderful answer. Uh, Fabinho said very similar things about him. He said, uh, Fabinho said that Bajicic re recovered the ball in really important area and then passed to Harvey and Harvey did the assist to Darwin. It's important. Bajicic has trained with us. He will get better. He will have more confidence to take the ball, to turn, to do some stuff that the number six does. Um, I think it is the hardest position to play in football. I think you're absolutely right, Abdul. And um, Alan, I think it's my favourite. Well, I mean, I don't know if you know that already, but uh, it's my favourite position because it's just it's just where everything happens. You know, the Brazilians call it the steering wheel of the team. And it's just, if you've got a good number six like we do, then, you know, the sky's the limit, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, are you happy enough, Alan, to, with uh, just to go in with, with, with uh, Hendo, Fabinho and Baitetic? I'll, I'll just call him Stefan, thanks. Stefan is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I, I'm really impressed with him. I know he's only um, 17, so I wouldn't expect him to step into many games this season. But um, like if you think of it, next year he's 18, and people are quite happy to, for us to spend a lot of money on uh, Bellingham, who's 19. So it's not like he's uh, five years away from getting into our team. I think he could sit into it very easily next year. But I knew nothing about him. I, I was lucky enough to watch the full game the other day and I knew nothing about him. And to be honest, I was probably in the kitchen or something and I missed him even coming on. And for a few minutes in the game, I was looking at him. The pitcher wasn't great. And he was making runs up forward and passing the ball. And I thought it was Carvalho. Uh, a similar looking stature and hair and stuff. So again, when I realised who he was and was looking at him, as I said earlier on about that goal he, he helped set up, it wasn't just that about him. It was... It was the simple balls. He was taking the ball in front of our goalie. He was just turning left, passing it, turning right, passing it. There was players on him, and he just so calm. I think that was what impressed me most about him. It wasn't just the, the bit going forward that, that everybody noticed. Um, I think there's a clip on YouTube of, of every ball he touched. It's only two minutes long or something. But if you just look at that clip, you think this guy is playing in this team for five years. Like He was so calm, so, so um, sure with the ball. Simple passes is what I like from a number six to start with. Um, but like you said there, he has a passing range from what I've seen to, to match or even better Fabinho. Uh, again, like he's not for this season. Maybe he got a few games in the cups and stuff. But uh, I think that's a great future for us at number six because it is the position that we need most. If I think if we got a, a season out of him playing in the cups and getting a couple of games, build himself up a bit, like you said, I think he can be a great option and save us a lot of money. Time will tell about your your claim that he might have a, a better passing range than Fabinho, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's hope so. It's all very bright. It's all bright. You know, the future's bright, and and uh, you know, the future's red as as the advert should go. Uh, because you know, the preseason's going quite well. They're working their butts off in in Austria. Ali's coming back. Allison Ramesses Becker will be back soon enough. 
Um, and I'm getting I'm getting a bit excited uh, because it's uh, it's it's the you know the drought the summer drought is almost over uh, football wise and we can uh, look forward to some some to some pretty excellent uh, football coming 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 up. Um, thank you so much to Alan and Abdul. It's been great as ever chatting to you. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Let's see, Statman Stubbs has joined. Um, but then he's off to the football. Enjoy the football. I uh, don't know which football, if you're playing or watching, but enjoy that, Statman Stubbs. And uh, in Statman Stubbs' football channel, everyone should check that out. Also, check out Abdul's channel at watch underscore LFC. Absolutely wonderful stuff on, on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, thanks very much, Abdul and Alan. Have we missed anything? Is there anything that you would like to to, to say? Or is it just a, a sayonara from here? Just a, just a quick mention for um, two players, uh, Cavallo, fantastic, yes. and I think it's very important thing the other day was Mo Salah letting uh, Starwin have that penalty yes. for a play time. He just handed the ball over and said, "Off you go." I don't think he Great deserves guy, a mention. Mo Salah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, yes, Abdul. Anything else that we've missed? I'm trying to think if there's any interesting player news or anything that I haven't seen, but. Um... Yeah, I think everything's good. Just hope Bobby gets back fit ASAP. And um, yeah, is there anyone else? No, no, that's all. That's all good. So yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, in that case, thank you to everybody. Oh yes, definitely an RIP to David Moores as well. It's very sad news of of him passing, and um, the the fan that the Anfield Raptor did. A wonderful video of, of a fan, uh, Eric, who met Kenny Dalgleish. Uh, check that out uh, on Twitter as well. It's absolutely amazing uh, video. So uh, you know, condolences to the loved ones of of anyone who's 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 passed on. And uh, for those of us who are still here, um, you know, I hope we, that everyone uh, can find things to look forward to. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're really looking forward to the footy. So thanks, everybody. You'll never walk alone. We'll see you very soon.